Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm your host to this show where I get to talk to Olympic athletes and hopefuls and ask them questions on their story and path in the games. Today we have the amazing Jalen Koff. She's at the 2018 Olympic Games. She is such a cool person. She is a mogul skier. She has a lot to say. She's a super young girl, but is very fantastic. Her story is so much fun getting to hear and 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 talk to her about all of everything that she's been able to go through, uh, everything that she's overcome, and and the highs and the lows of a, you know an Olympic sport and going around the world and competing and winning and losing and the ups and the downs. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jalen Koff. And without further ado, here you go. Today's special guest, Olympian Jalen Koff, USA skiing discipline moguls, born September 26, 1996, and she grew up in Alta, Wyoming. Excited to talk about that a little bit. She started skiing at the age age of 16 months, I guess. I don't know if that's exactly how you say it. Life of 16 months. Parents are both professional skiers. Interesting story that I'm excited to hear as a kid. Her and her brother actually were on the podium with her mom when she won bronze, multiple bronze medals, if I'm not mistaken, at the X Games. At that time, she was about three. She joined Team USA, uh, the ski team, in 2016, won a bronze medal in 2017 at the World Championships, and placed seventh at the 2018 Olympics. Jalen, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nope, the pleasure is all mine. So, Jalen, <laughs> if you don't mind, I guess, telling us a little bit about, um, you know, 20 two-ish years ago oh yeah happy birthday happy well I guess a couple of months never mind um tell, tell us a little bit about growing up in uh, <laughs> growing up in Wyoming um hanging out in Colorado a little bit maybe maybe Salt Lake City tell us a little bit about all that stuff um yeah I've always lived in mountain towns so I really don't know anything mm-hmm. else besides skiing being in the mountains um and it is an incredible life um in Wyoming I live at the base of the Tetons, and it honestly doesn't get much better than that. It's a spectacular view um, and really fun kind of classic old ski resort um, that I grew up skiing at. Um, So I was just, I think, raised with a passion for being in the mountains. Yeah, I mean, if you grow up with it, it makes sense. Like, I grew up Mm -hmm. in the suburbs. I get kind of bored of it. But I'm sure the mountain view waking up every day. I mean, what was it? like? How So how long were you in Wyoming for? Um, I lived in Wyoming for 11 years, I think. Okay. So so from when I was about 3 to 14. So you were there long enough that, you know, at, at one point, like, would you just walk out the back door and it's a, a quick stride away or, or how, what was, what was the, uh, how accessible was it to just literally hop on the mountain and start skiing at any point during the day? Um, so from where we lived, um, we were probably as close as you can get to the ski resort living cause it's in the national forest service area. Um, so it was probably like a 10 minute drive up to the mountain. Um, but, that's what our family did Mm -hmm. as often as possible so we're both my parents um my dad worked up at the resort for a little bit um and my mom did stuff up Mm -hmm. there (laughs) Mm -hmm. so my brother and i were usually like the first on the hill last off oh there you go yeah i mean that could probably shape you to be a pretty stellar skier at that point um especially that quickly and you know you told that you told me or at least you told me that your parents told you that you started skiing at the age of 16 (laughs) months um (laughs) I mean, I don't really know much about kids when they're supposed to walk or even start talking, but that sounds 
pretty early considering some of the other skiers I talked to, it's usually around age two or three. So, um, I mean, what, what was it like? I guess you obviously never, as you said, you've never known anything different, but growing up and starting to talk to people and understanding like, Hey, maybe this isn't the norm, like kind of looking back on it, how has that kind of maybe shaped you in, uh, in one way or another? Yeah. I mean, I think my parents just, as soon as I started walking or maybe before just kind of dropped me in a pair of ski boots, like pushed me on my way. Um, but I didn't really think anything of it. Like I was just, I mean, like walking or talking or anything else. It was just always something so natural to me. Um, because I started before I knew anything. Um, but I started to kind of figure out that not everybody did that. Like when trying to kind of teach other people to ski or like give tips on like, um, like I've had a couple family members, um, like my stepsister's husband trying to help him teach him how to ski and give him some tips. I try and kind of recall and think back on those things, but I don't remember them. So it's definitely a little foreign to me like that. I don't know. Those first couple of years of skiing and figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is too funny. Yeah. And and it's, it sounds like your parents just wanted to spend more time on the hill and it's much easier to have you there than have to have a babysitter or anything like that. So they might as well just kind of bring you along. And as you said, just kind of push you down. You'll figure it out. It's going to fall a couple of times, but you'll figure it out. So that is too funny. And (laughs) then um, if you don't mind telling us about, you know, being at the X games with your mom, being on the podium with her, I mean, you're at such a young age. Do you even like, how much of that do you even remember? Is it kind of just like a, a, a still image kind of in your memory? How does, how, how was that? And tell us about that experience. Um, well, we went a couple years. And so, I mean, I was pretty young at that point. So all those memories kind of like blend together. So which mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. it was, I don't actually know. But uh, I remember my brother and I just having the time of our life there, just running around. We got to go in all the athlete tents and play all the games. And it was like, I mean, incredible. Some incredible athletes we were just like used to hanging out with, I guess. Um, And then I guess just watching my mom stand on the podium. And I don't know if it was till maybe the third medal she got that I actually remember going up there. Um, But yes, standing with her up on the podium, the big medal around her neck. um, Like she was a superhero to me. She was the coolest person. Um, and I think just having that and seeing her, I guess, and experiencing that with her um, just showed me as a kid I could really do anything I wanted. I mean, she was 40 something and podiuming at the X Games. That is incredible. I love that. That is just super cool. I mean, no one. No one gets that experience. Let's be honest, Jalen. You are you are um, you know very lucky to be in that situation. But it's 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 even better that you've taken it and and run with it as well. Because clearly, um, you've done some pretty cool things yourself. Um, and what I guess you know you alluded to it a little bit. Like it was kind of normal for you guys, you know, quote unquote normal, to be around athletes like this and and to go to some of these events, these just gigantic experiences. I mean, how has that helped you? Um, leading up to starting to get into some of these bigger events yourself, um, especially like international events and then obviously Olympics, how has that either helped minimize the moment or just let you kind of fill up the space so that nothing is too big or too small for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think growing up with that, 
kind of like I said, I knew I could do anything, whether it was going to the Olympics or competing at World Cup or I don't know if I pursued some other sport mm-hmm. or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that I could reach whatever level I wanted to. Um, and I think my parents just showed me like I just had to work hard for it and want it. Um, but I could do it and there wasn't, I guess, any anything that could stop me. I love it. And clearly you're you're well on your way. So um, <laughs> I do want to kind of take a pause for a second from your story and get into your discipline, specifically moguls. Um, I've had the opportunity to speak with Tess Johnson. So she, she gave us a nice explanation mm-hmm. of what's going on. But if you don't mind for anyone that might not have listened to her episode, which is out now and they can if they'd like. I highly suggest. Um, could you kind of just explain the discipline of moguls for us a little bit and how um, you don't hurt your back or your legs like every second of every competition? <laughs> yeah, you do a little bit. <laughs> um, Appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> it, yeah, it's a tough sport on the body. It's, you know. Um, but, yeah, so moguls is – bumps and jumps as we sometimes call it um so there's a section a section of moguls um into a jump where then you land the jump ski a long section of moguls hit another jump um and then there's kind of a fake bottom section of moguls um to the finish line so during your run you have two jumps that you have to do some sort of air trick on um and in the scoring, that counts for 20% of your run. The speed counts for 20%. And then the, your turns are 60%. So that's the biggest part of the run. Um, but it, I mean, we might make it look a little easier and more graceful, but it's definitely a hard body or a hard sport on the body. Um, my back gets pretty sore, especially at the start of the season. <laughs> um, but we do a lot of um gym strength and conditioning work to keep our body in the best shape yeah that that part i'm sure you guys i'm I'm sure the trainers and the coaches have all that that understood but man just watching Mm -hmm. it like i start i'm sitting on my couch you know eating popcorn at eight o'clock watching the olympics (laughs) and it's like i'm starting to get sore watching you guys but no i just think so what like how do you get into a sport like that you know obviously growing up skiing your whole life is one thing but that seems like a very specific like, oh, I want to try that out and see what that's like. Like, what what kind of led you into moguls or, or did they kind of find you, I guess? Um, well, before my mom was in the X Games for Skier Cross, her and my dad were on the Pro Mogul Tour. So they're mogul athletes as well. Um, and as a kid, I actually had no interest in it. I hated the moguls, um, as a lot of people do. Like, I just... I don't know, I'd rather go ski powder or something else instead of getting bucked around on those things. But my brother loved them. Um, and he's only a year older than me. So I kind of just did whatever he wanted to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and just chased him around. And at some point, I kind of learned, like, if I want to ski with my family, or my brother, I had to go on the moguls at some point. Um, so my brother did a mogul competition. Then I think the next season I was like, okay, fine. I'll try one. Um, and I ended up falling a lot that run. Um, 
Like, so I think I face planted on the finish line, but I was young enough and the only one in my um, age division. So I ended up winning and was like, this is awesome. I'll do another one. Um, and then slowly just learned to love the sport. Um, and I started to, I really love it, but is the combination of the, the turns, the airs, and having to perfect them all into one run together. Um, I think it's just so unique and such a challenge, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's, it's an interesting sport, specifically an interesting discipline. Um, I mean, I haven't seen anything else like it. So, I mean, clearly you guys are doing something cool. And if, <laughs> if that's not the best reason to get into something, it's like, oh, wait, I won? Awesome. Let's keep going. Um, with the slight <laughs> caveat in there that, well, you kind of were the only one that could win, it sounds like. Um, still love it. And again, <laughs> glad that it happened. Glad you fell across the finish line. You can only go up from there um, and just keep crushing it. So I love that. That's awesome. Thank you for that story. <laughs> I always love hearing cute little things like that uh, from back in the day. So very cool. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the explanation of the sport. I mean, it's awesome that your parents <laughs> were both mobile skiers as well. Um, every little sibling usually does what their older sibling does anyway. So it sounds like um, you're doing pretty awesome on mm. that front. So um, I guess it, then we can kind of go back into your story a little bit. So since that event, you've started to do some pretty cool things, it sounds like. Um, obviously, again, <laughs> winning bronze in 2017. Joining the the ski team, the U.S. ski team in 2016, how did that help elevate you um, in terms of just being able to have the best coaches, the best facilities, and, and really just focus 100% of your time knowing that the the ultimate goal of, you know, for some people, the Olympics, whatever yours is, and getting there and winning um, is extremely achievable at that point. What mm -hmm. was it like joining the team and seeing your progress just, I mean, you tell me, did it just increase exponentially from that point forward? Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in the team, we're based um, out of Park City, Utah, and we have some of the best facilities in the country, maybe even in the world. Um, so joining the team and moving out to Park City and being able to, I guess, use those facilities 24-7. We have the Center of Excellence, an amazing gym facility with PTs, whatever we need, basically, as athletes. And then we also have the Utah Olympic Park. Um, which is our water ramp site mm -hmm. where we train in the summer. And then Deer Valley is right here, which is one of the best World Cup courses, in my opinion, mm -hmm. the best World Cup course mm -hmm. that there is. Um, so being able to train all three of those things all the time, um, I think has really benefited me as an athlete. Um, and definitely one of the biggest perks of being a USC member. Mm -hmm. And and just to uh, expand on the one point you made, the water park, uh, I saw over the summer some amazing footage of you guys and girls just <laughs> going off and just landing in a giant pool of water and just getting up and do it again. I mean, that sounds like fun, uh, looks like a lot of fun, so very jealous on that front. But I'm sure it's a lot of hard work too, right? Yeah, don't, uh, don't let them tell you <laughs> anything else. But um, So obviously, again, joined the team in 2016. You won your first medal in 2017. I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, you know, relatively young, you're what, 21, probably 20 at that time. I mean, yeah, 20, is, I think. Yeah. What is that like having like some pretty awesome um, success just immediately, you know, less than a year later uh, joining the team and then immediately getting some success, um, especially knowing that 2018, the Olympic year is coming right around? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely before the Olympic year. Um, it was a big thing, big um, world championships was at the end of the season that year. So, um, good way to finish the season and kind of go into the following season with that confidence. 
yeah, it was, um, I guess, really good to like establish myself on the team so early, um, just making the team the year before and kind of proving to not only the coaches and other athletes, but myself that I should be competing at this level mm-hmm. um, and can do something at it. Yeah, I mean, bronze medal is nothing to, to shy at. I mean, world championships is, it's what, every every other year, every odd year, correct? Yeah, every two years. So, um, I mean, considering, you know, the Olympics is every four years, everyone kind of forgets, and, and I fall into that trap too, that it's not like you guys are only training. There are some huge competitions in your sport and, in, in, you know, in that uh, specific discipline that goes on. And I know the world championships is one of the bigger ones, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, definitely. World championships is basically the Olympics without the big media platform with it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like the U S only gets four spots for women, four spots for girls and same with every other country. Um, so if anything, I think world championships has a little higher level of competition in that top spot. Um, Cause sometimes at the Olympics, we only get three spots or mm-hmm. Canada only gets three. Um, but yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely uh frustrating from my point of view understanding that there's even a level higher level of competition um that i don't really know about i guess or, or really most people know about and it's just uh mm-hmm. that's, that's why i hate the term olympic sport i mean obviously uh but at the same time it's not like you're only competing in the olympics there's a couple other things that are going on so um yeah definitely so yeah uh, it's a little frustrating i think uh people not knowing those other sports even world cup um mm-hmm. they don't know we have a world cup tour every year and it's just the olympics which is the pinnacle of our sport and is the biggest stage we're ever going to compete on but there's a lot more that goes on in those four years mm-hmm. and and again like um you know i told you before we clicked record i mean i'm doing this because it's it's very unfortunate that many of our olympic athletes are only known at the olympics and it's not mm-hmm. like for those three years and what, 11 months? It's not like you're doing nothing the whole time. Uh, you know, your body's going through a lot, a lot of recovery, training, um, getting better, you know, getting, getting worse, having ups and downs, you know, everything that's going on. Um, and we really only get to notice it once every four years. So I think uh, it's, it's kind of a drag, but here we are. You got another three years and change to yeah. go. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we see you on TV again pretty soon. So um, I guess let's just jump right into that then, the Olympics. I mean, tell us. So first, actually, I take it back. We're not jumping right into it. Could you actually explain the qualification process? I mean, you said there was four for world championships. It sounds like there's only three for the Olympics. How does that work? Is it a point system or, or just, I guess, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, it's kind of a complicated process, I guess. Um, so this year we did have four spots for women, four spots for girls at the Olympics. Um, but it is not always that way. I think at the 2014 Olympics, they sent two guys and four girls. Um, and so we, Moguls competes against aerials and skier cross for um, those spots. So we have, I don't actually know quite the number of spots, maybe like 20 something spots. Um, and so then based on how we do at those qualification events, even against those other sports is how the sports get their spots. Mm-hmm, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. <laughs> no, 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 it, it does. Um, it, so it's like a pool kind of, so let's just call it 10. Yeah. So between the three of them, there's 10 spots and 
wherever, I guess, the team, I'm assuming, or the governing body thinks we have the best chance if we have an extra skier there. Is that kind of kind of make sense um yeah so then we all go off um so for moguls our qualifications started in december 2017 Mm -hmm. at the first world cup so all the world cups leading up to the olympics were the qualifications um and so then it's kind of off a point so if you get first place you get 500 points um and the mac they take two competitions your two best competitions so the max you can get is a thousand points um and so get those other sports so if um our skier cross team isn't that great um so there wasn't much competition there but so if airless get um a couple other athletes have third places or whatnot like it Mm -hmm. yeah it's so you're not even yeah you're not even competing (laughs) against people you know on in your own discipline um and and not only within but also around so that's just yeah that is complicated it sounds like it's one of those things you just do your best and uh you know kind of just see what happens at the end um Mm -hmm. but you bring up a really interesting point i mean what is it like you know living and and being with all these girls as you say and 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 becoming really good friends with them and then understanding that once once you know you start going down the mountain it's it's you versus them what is that like and really kind of I mean, obviously you're never wishing ill will, but understanding like you need to do better or they need to do worse Mm -hmm. for you to get, you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does, you have to separate it on and off the hill. Um, Because yeah, on the hill, I mean, I think my teammates are some of the best in the world and they're my biggest competitors. Um, But I want them to ski their best run every single time. Um, Because like you said, I'm spending all this time with them and they are closest friends um and I want the very best for them I I guess if if I'm going to beat them which I do want to do um I want to do it on a fair playing field not because they mess up or anything Mm -hmm. so I hope that I put in the hard work and the training through the summer through the off season so that when we get on the course I can beat them and and that makes sense because it's not like you're going ahead or like it's not like it's one on one whoever's down the hill first wins it's you know it's you versus yourself essentially mm-hmm. right it's you versus the speed as you said you you kind of laid out all the percentage earlier mm-hmm. so thank you for that so if you hit all your marks and you did your best and you win then there you go if not you know obviously there was someone else better that day and and we can wish your friend um uh, good luck as well so I think that that is pretty cool so thank you thank you for that that's always an interesting one depending on the sport. Um, there's a little more animosity I found, but it sounds like you guys have a, you guys and girls have a pretty good, um, pretty good thing going on over there. So, all right, now let's get into the Olympics. Um, obviously you qualified, obviously you did pretty Mm -hmm. well when you were there. I mean, top seven in the world at anything I think is incredible. If I could be top 700 at anything, I'd be pretty happy about it. But what, um, (laughs) tell us about your experience, opening ceremonies, getting there. I mean, it was only a few months ago now, right? I mean, this is November as of recording. It was in February. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it was all pretty surreal. I mean, it's something that I kind of dreamed up as a kid and always, um, I mean, it's the Olympics. That's a, that's a big deal. And so just, I guess, being there, getting all the opening ceremonies gear, all the Olympic gear, um, was all just so crazy. Like just trying to take it in it. uh, It's, I'm like, 
I don't even know how to describe it, but um, opening ceremonies was pretty incredible because we'd been there for a couple days and been able to um, train on the course and we actually had qualifications that morning. Um, But opening ceremonies was incredible. I mean, you're surrounded by the best winter athletes in the world. You're all packed shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it was like a little mob just like rushing out into the stadium. Um, And I think that definitely made it a little more real. I mean, opening ceremonies, it's kicking off the Olympics um, and walking out behind the flag and the whole crowd cheering. It was just like, I was getting dizzy, just like spinning in circles, looking up and around everything, trying to take it all in. That is just too cool. And yeah, I I understand. It's probably very difficult to put into words, um, but it's the closest I'm ever going to get. So I'd appreciate um, however you can explain it. I would appreciate it. So um, (laughs) getting into, I guess, the experience side of it. I mean, obviously, it's your first Olympics. uh, Not everybody gets one, right? Let's start with that. Not everybody gets to go to one Olympics. So I think it's incredible. And congratulations. And we appreciate, you know, you representing us. But so how much did you try and weigh either just 100% complete focus on the task at hand, which obviously would be competing versus actually understanding that this is the Olympics, you know, you have to enjoy as much of it as you possibly can, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so how did you kind of play those two different sides and, and find that balance of getting the most out of the experience and also making sure that you were there and, and competed at your highest level? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for us, it was actually, we were pretty lucky. We finished our competition I think two days after opening ceremonies um and that was that was it for our competition um which was really nice because we got to focus at the beginning and then after that we were just spectators basically just running around going to as many other events as we could trying to meet as many other athletes as we could um so being able to finish earlier and then just soak it all in was the perfect way to do it yeah that's um i guess schedule really does matter i've talked to a couple athletes who've had their um events towards the end and they've said they pretty much just sit in their room for like two weeks because they don't want to do anything too silly and then they kind of go out and do their thing so that Mm -hmm. is pretty cool you're able to just get there focus understand what you're there to do and then you have the ability to uh go and hang out so i guess then the competition part tell us a little bit about that what was it like um, you know, I mean, you've, you've, it's not like the first time you've raced against these women before. Right. So like, what was it like understanding that you're all on this unbelievably high level, um, with the entire world watching? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I tried to, uh, I guess not think about it or focus on the actual size of the competition, like that it was the Olympics. That is a big deal. Um, and there is a lot of pressure that comes with that. Um, and going into the Olympics, I was actually ranked number one. Um, and so like, I think in sports illustrated, they, in the little like expectation column or whatever, where they prediction column, I guess, um, they predicted me to win. And that's, that was a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Um, I mean, I went in knowing I had the ability to come out with the gold medal and definitely a medal. Um, and so it's hard to 
as much as I say, like, I tried not to think about the pressure, put that pressure on me. Um, it was still a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Um, and of course it is about the same level of competition, um, that we're normally competing at, but it's the Olympics. It's a whole different stage. Um, and so it actually didn't hit me like, I guess the excitement and like actually being there for the first couple of days until I think it was the morning of qualifications. And I was like looking down at the big stands below the course. And I was like, holy cow, this is the Olympics. Like I'm about to actually compete in the Olympics. Like I was, I went up to my PT at the top of the course. I was maybe like five out from the gate. And he was like, are you doing okay? You all right? And I was like, ah, oh, Chuck, I'm so like, I'm about to compete. I am so excited. He was like, all right, like just calm down, relax. Like, just do your thing. I was like, no, it's not a bad thing. Like, I'm soaked about it. Like, this is a dream come true. That's awesome. Uh, super jealous. I mean, yeah, you know, as we talked about and, and with, you know, again, reading your bio on on your website and everything, this has literally been something you've been thinking about from a very young age and you actually reached it you got there man i mean congratulations mm -hmm. again i mean i understand obviously expectations are what they are um you know i i i think um the media places a little too much emphasis on the top three spot um you know obviously getting a medal and naturally everyone wants to win let's mm -hmm. not, we're not we're not trying to skirt that but um at the same time you know i do think just just being there and competing and representing us on that level um obviously it's never something I'm going to be able to do. So, you know, we do say thank you and we do appreciate um, you doing that for us. And mm -hmm. again, seventh isn't that bad. I mean, I, I wouldn't, as I said, I wouldn't be angry at top 700. So I hope uh, top seven isn't too angry, but I guess what, um, <laughs> I, I don't want to say what went wrong. Cause obviously again, you know, expectations versus reality is everything, but what did you, I guess, feel in the moment? Was it something specific uh, that happened? Was there, was it just everyone else balled out? And unfortunately it wasn't your best run ever. Like how did, how do you feel that you did um, for your, towards your expectations of what you, you wanted to happen? I mean, of course, like I said, I, I expected myself to win. Um, I knew I had the ability to do it. Um, and I mean, it's a high level of competition. The girls skied really well out there. Um, and I don't know if there was something that went wrong, but it is a judge sport. Um, mm -hmm. There's things you can't control. You can't control the judges as much as you'd like to sometimes. Um, but I, uh, um, let's see, going, I qualified for super finals in second position um and i i was i'm really happy with my run i'm really happy with how i skied and how i performed especially i guess with the pressure and the stage that we were on um i left it all out on the line um and i got to the bottom i made a couple mistakes i guess in the middle section um, like I had a small little break, um, but nothing big, I guess, or, and I, when I got to the bottom of the course, I was really happy with my run and I was confident that I would be in the top six, moving on to that final run, that final go at the medals. Um, but I got to the bottom of the course 
and I scarfed up on the board and I was in sixth position with one girl left to go. Um, I mean, and she was the, she got gold at the last Olympic. So I knew she was going to put down a run um, and knock me out of the finals. Um, and as you can probably hear and see, it's, um, it was heartbreaking for me. I mean, I still have a tough time, I guess, dealing with it and talking about it. Um, Cause I was so confident that I was going to get that final run to put everything I had on the line and try for those medals, but I barely missed it. Um, and I, for a little bit after I was beating myself up, I was like, I should have done more. Like I, I needed to leave more out on the line, but, um, Later that night, I met up with my family, went back to their place, and I was like, you know what? Like, I skied my heart out. I put everything I had into that run because um, I knew going into the games, I wanted to, every time when I got to the bottom of the course, look back up and know that I had nothing left to give. Um, and that's how I felt when I got to the bottom of the course. And I just had to recall that later. Um, that I did ski as hard as I could um, and I tried my best but it just wasn't in the cards for me but I had just competed in the Olympics I was there with my family and I got seventh place which like you said is incredible and something I am extremely proud of just making it there and being able to ski my best and put down I think three solid runs, good runs that I'm proud of. And that's all we can ask for. I mean, thank you for that. I mean, that was, uh, yeah, clearly we could hear it in your voice. Um, you know, we, we appreciate the honesty and, and, and clearly it means something to you. And that's, um, that's what I want. I mean, I want someone representing our country on a stage like that, who truly, truly cares and, and really, um, really is going to go out there. And if you believe it, uh, I obviously can't, judge anything that you do naturally right like but if you think that you went out there and you put down your three biggest i mean that's all mm -hmm. i can ask for um you know as as someone watching a sporting event as long as you went down and put what you have um on the line clearly that's what you said you did i believe you i appreciate it and uh, again as you said you were at the olympics your family was there they got to watch you compete it's something you've been thinking about for years um you got to do it and and again top 10 in the world that's nothing to shy at right so congratulations again i think it's incredible um just super super yeah, cool so, so no not bad at all not bad at all so thank you for that but um i guess the next question <laughs> then jalen i mean we got another one of these coming up in a few years right i'm assuming uh, i'm assuming you're gunning for that so i guess what um what do you have to do to get ready you have three years essentially um if not a little less a little more so what exactly do you have to do to make sure that you know, obviously you stay in peak physical condition, but also are, are continuously getting better over those three years to make sure that that next run is just a, just a little bit sweeter. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I feel like as soon as the Olympics ended, I guess we had a couple more competitions after, but as soon as the season ends, like you're gearing up for 2022. Um, and like I said, we have world championships coming up this year and we have world cups over the course of those three years but 
the Olympics are definitely, I mean, they're the Olympics. And so everything starts to build up. Um, and so how we work is on four-year plans. Our timelines are based off the Olympics, um, which can be frustrating sometimes, but I mean, that's how it works. Um, so right now you're kind of, we're kind of starting at square one again. Um, and gearing up for the next Olympics, um, I think girls, especially you'll see our air packages changing a little bit. Um, like this past year, I guess the basic run is a 360 to a backflip. Um, that's what most of the girls are doing. That's what, um, the gold medalist did. That's what I do. Um, and so right now, I think a lot of girls, including myself, are starting to build their air packages and maybe not change them this year. Definitely start working towards adding new and bigger tricks um, into our runs. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. I mean, you usually see everybody kind of throw down the same tricks, others a little bit more accuracy and precision, um, which kind of makes sense as you were saying. I mean, that's what, you know, some of the best athletes in the world are doing this, but kind of what you have to do. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious what the, that next, as you call it, air package, um, to use the correct term, uh, will be. And, <laughs> you know, should be should be pretty cool. And, you know, hopefully over the summer, I can just kind of come out, sit there and, and watch you guys jump into a pool of water. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I think anybody, if they yeah, have that definitely. opportunity to do it, that would just be super cool. So um, good stuff on that. And yeah, obviously, um, as you said, you know, it's, there are a lot of things in between the Olympics, but it sounds like everything is kind of built on, at least here in the United States, or I don't, I don't know what it's like internationally, but mm-hmm. everything's built on and around the Olympics. So it sounds like that's what we're gunning for again. So um you know, crossing our fingers for you, obviously, I think that would be super cool. The second one I hear is just a little bit sweeter than the first. And then uh, the third one apparently is is the best to most people. At least that's what I've heard as well. So I guess, uh, you know, we'll cross our fingers for you for the next five to 10 years, <laughs> however long it takes. But um, uh, just a couple more questions for me, uh, Jalen, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But um, one thing I always want to do is is make sure that the the, the general audience, the public really understands um, that being an Olympic athlete, as amazing as you are, as talented as you are, is not the most lucrative um, profession to be in. Now, obviously, there's the Michael Phelpses and the Sean Whites and the Lindsey Vons, and I don't want to take a single dime away from them. They're incredible people, and I think they deserve every penny they get. But what is it like, I guess, being um, not Lindsey Vaughn or, or not Michael Phelps, and, and kind of what, what have your uh, experiences been? Obviously, we don't want to know the dollar amounts you've made, but what have your experiences been, I guess, on the monetary side of training and competing as an Olympic athlete on a daily basis? Um, yeah, skiing in general is an expensive hobby, very expensive. <laughs> um, and mogul skiing in general is not, um, I guess, a very, very lucrative or even like popular sport. Um, so for us, especially, it's not as easy as maybe some alpine racers or other athletes to get sponsors or endorsements um and so for us um well skiing is not the u.s ski team is not a government funded organization um like a lot of other countries are um and so for us most of it just fundraising um, fundraising through the U.S. ski team for ourselves um and I think 
that the cost of our sport tends to cut a lot of athletes out at a younger age. Um, their parents might fund them through high school, um, if that, but then, I mean, you're still pursuing, you're trying to make the U.S. ski team, or even you are on maybe the C team on the U.S. ski team, but it's twenty to $30,000 a year to ski a World Cup season. Um, and it's very tough to try and afford that and not really have the time to work because um, we're pretty much traveling all year round. We're chasing the snow. Um, we have, I mean, in the summer months, we're sometimes training here at Park City at the water ramps, but we're also going to Whistler, to Australia, to Switzerland, um, chasing the snow around. And it's hard to, I guess, go apply for a job and be like, but also I'll be here four days in July. I'm going to be back a little bit in September. Like I'm, I'll be gone the winter, April I'm here. Um, cause I mean, that's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you do get those jobs, they're not, you're probably not earning $30,000 in that full month that you're working. That would be a pretty awesome job. If you can find a job, so for, if you can find yeah, a job right? that makes 30 K a month, I mean, I'm still looking for it. Done me up, man, but yeah, it's just, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> Just, it's just frustrating and understanding that, I mean, someone um, of your caliber, um, especially within your sport, within the Olympic community, I mean, again, top 10 in the world, that something is incredible that you have to actually think about getting a, a part-time job and you have to go through the motions of understanding that you need something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's frustrating, in my opinion, that something like that even exists. Um, so it's just, you know, thank you for that. Um, you know, really, really appreciate mm-hmm. the honesty and the openness uh, because, again, that is just something that I think is just absolutely crazy and really should not be happening at all Uh, I mean and even on top of I guess funding your season like we have the A team um, for the U.S. ski team is funded and so that this year there's I think six of us so our skiing expenses the World Cup season is funded but on top of that we still have to find a place to live Um, our team is based out of Park City so I have to find an apartment to live at here. I have to pay for rent, for food. And I mean, with rent, I'm paying, I have a 12-month lease, so I'm paying 12 months of rent and Mm -hmm. living here a couple days out of each month. Um, And so even for that, if you are a funded athlete, it's still tough to make the other parts of it happen. Yeah, I mean... um... Uh, maybe Airbnb for like most of the month and then kick them out when it comes to time that you need it. Like, I, it's just, yeah, I just think it's, there's a lot of holes <laughs> holes in the system and you yeah. know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to figure out one of these days. But um, again, appreciate the open and the honesty um, and really just giving people an understanding of what it's like being a top level athlete on one of these um, United States teams and, and still kind of having that unnecessary struggle in my opinion. But Enough of that. I don't, do want to you know, talk about you just a little bit more. My last question, Jalen, um, obviously we're not trying to push you out of the sport. You're still going strong. And I, again, as I said, I hear the third Olympics is this week, <laughs> so we'll keep crossing your fingers for that. But what is, I guess, life after, your career after your career? Because we know Olympic athletes, they're, their careers – I mean, you're an athlete in general, 30, 35. I mean, your mom sounded like she was killing it up into, you know, in her 40s, which, you know, again, 
cross our fingers for you, but what do you have any kind of sense or, or understanding or, or really any thing, I guess, that you want to do um, when it does come time that you unfortunately are going to have to end your, your professional career? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mogul skiing, this sport is something I love and am so passionate about. So even when I am kicked out of the sport or retire because my body hurts too much, <laughs> um, I'm still going to want to be a part of the sport and give back in some way that I can. I don't think coaching's for me. Um, I'll never, I guess, move on fully from the sport. Um, but in the real life side of it, um, I'll take classes right now online. I'm kind of chipping away at the college thing. Um, and so depending on when I retire, we'll definitely want to finish up school. Um, and right now I declared my degree in um, graphic design. So not 100% sure what I want to do with that, um, but at least some interest in the design field. So I'm sure I'm sure there's a way to smash design and mogul skiing together in some way, shape or form. And I'm sure if you give yourself enough time, you'll figure <laughs> it out exactly how, how those two things together. So um, Jalen, that is it for me. Thank you so much again. This was a great conversation. I appreciate, as I said a couple times already, your openness, your honestness, your intimacy, um, and really telling us some of these really cute little stories as also some of the more, um, you know, unfortunate, a little more grueling ones. So <laughs> thanks so much for that, Jalen. I uh, really appreciate it. One more time, Jalen Koff, USA Skiing Moguls seventh in the world. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Jalen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Jalen Koff. As I said, she's a super incredible person and I'm very, very happy I had the opportunity to interview her. Uh, if you guys and girls don't mind, follow Jalen on all of her socials. Everything is in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram at ourathletes.us and on Twitter at ourathletesusa. Uh, please share this with your friends and tell them more about it because I think this is such a fun project. I think it's really cool and I think our Olympic athletes and hopefuls deserve a little bit more um, recognition for what they're doing on a daily basis. So please rate, review, comment, share, subscribe, like, I don't know, do everything that you need to do. Uh, Please get this out there a little bit more. So thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day.